This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this, too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. And welcome in everyone to this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause as we come to you with another week. J. Doc, how are you? Great show lined up for uh, our listening and our viewing audience today. Excited to uh, get into it. A quick uh, shout out, J. Doc, out to Neuter. Um, I spoke with Cole uh, Jenkins this morning from Neuter, and they're going to continue their support of the Labor and Energy Show and the one interesting dynamic from um, that we're going to work on with Cole is we're going to start to add some blogging into the labor and energy show as we continue to expand and change the narrative. Absolutely, Joe. Uh, we're very appreciative of Neuter and Cole Jenkins and the whole Neuter team. And, um, you know, for our listeners, um, you know, it's, it's fantastic to can continue, uh, you know, our journey uh, in common sense and energy. Okay talking to the who's who and in, in, in labor and energy this uh, our opening month in in western pennsylvania as we uh, continue on uh, down up the mid-atlantic um as our launch in kdka we've had unbelievable guests we've got the new Streamyard video platform and we're expanding constantly so it's, it's great to hear um that a lot of our our sponsors and and uh, supporters are are gaining momentum and sticking with it and as we grow uh Obviously, our listener uh, response has been incredible. And again, our goal is to educate the public on common sense and energy in layman's terms. You know, you and I are regular guys. And, uh, you know, we thought we understood things. We didn't have a clue. Um, and so it, I believe it's our job to introduce the who's who in labor and energy, which, by the way, today we got a great show, and to continue to educate the public. Reminder to all of our listeners and viewers, if you miss any of today's show or if you want to go back and watch or listen to one of the previous editions of the Labor and Energy Show, you can uh, go to your favorite uh, podcast destination, Apple or Spotify, search the Labor and Energy Show, and you can easily download the podcast and consume some of the content. And we've had some great, great shows, uh, including the last couple of weeks here, uh, have been phenomenal shows. J-Doc, tell us about our special guest today and our topic, and then we'll get to a break and then pick up with John on the other side. So, Joe... Uh, you know, we have John Bain, who's the director of government affairs at EQT. OK, we've been talking a lot on our shows about natural gas. OK, and for good reason, uh, American natural gas, specifically Pennsylvania, is growing increasingly important, not just for domestic, but for global energy security. Uh, it, it's also important to maintain uh, our way of life. OK, and despite what a lot of folks um, not wanting to admit it uh, for lowering emissions. I mean, a huge part of our success in lowering emissions is due to natural gas. And so today we have, like, uh, like I said, um, John Bain uh, on the show, Director of Government Affairs for EQT, based in Pittsburgh. EQT is the largest 
gas producer in the Appalachian Basin and one of the largest in the country. So I couldn't be happier to have John on. Johnson, by the way, not a stranger to the broadcast. He's been on before, and I'm excited about today's show. All right, good stuff. This is the Labor and Energy Show with Jadock and Krause. We'll get started with John Bain on the other side of the break. Back in a moment. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Buying a car is a big decision. Makes, models, colors, cost. But soon enough, the government is going to make that decision for you. Delaware and New Jersey are on a collision course to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars. In 2035, you'll have no choice but to buy an electric vehicle in those states. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show, we welcome everybody back in and thank everybody for tuning in and listening in. This, uh, I'm Joe Krause along with J-Doc. And of course, J-Doc, as you referenced, John Bain will be uh, our special guest. We'll do two good segments uh, with John, and I'll toss it over to you so we can get started. Thanks, Joe. First of all, John, I want to welcome you to the broadcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's it's our pleasure. And and, and first, I'd like to, if you would, uh, introduce yourself. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, okay, and what you do uh, in your uh, position as the Director of Government Relations at EQT. Yep. Uh, thank you again for having me. Uh, I am Director of Government Affairs here at EQT. We are the largest producer of natural gas in the country based out of Pittsburgh, as you referenced. And sometimes, and I think you said earlier, putting things on, excuse me, layman terms uh, makes it a lot easier for the listeners. So I can tell you that our natural gas that we are producing today is the equivalent of over one minute of every hour of electricity consumed in the United States. So, I mean, that, that is a big number that is at scale. Um, if we were a country, EQT would be number 12 in the world in natural gas production, just EQT alone. And, and, and so, yeah, and, and we're, we're, de- we're going to get into EQT and, and, and um, you know, wh- what you guys do. And, and spe- you know, also for, our, for the workforce and, and the communities and, and uh, you know, the vast resources we have here. But I'd like to talk about in, in your capacity um, of the director of government relations at EQT, and as chair of the Marcella Shell Coalition Executive Board, what are uh, some of the challenges you face every day in your dealings uh, polit- with political leadership? Um, and also talk about the progress um, that we've made in those areas as well. Yep. So in my, in my function at EQT, it goes back to, I'll just give you a little background on how I ended up here where I am today. Um, years ago, Gosh, now it's over 20 years ago, so I'm starting to feel older. Uh, I took on an internship with Congressman Tim Holden here in Pennsylvania. Uh, that went on to uh, propel me into the state government where I worked for Governor Rendell. Um, 
I did some labor work for PSEA. Then I ended up right here in the natural uh, gas industry. And part of my job as the director of government affairs, I consider it almost your half advocate and half watchdog. So we're, we're looking at new policies that come out every day. Sometimes we're prepared. Um, we like to work with people on the front end of policy issues to make sure that our expertise is in the room. Um, and that's policy issues that we can be for or, or maybe we don't fully support. But at EQT, stakeholders on all levels are, are very critical to our mission. Uh, so I cover Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia. I do some uh, DC work. And, you know, again, it goes back to sort of the watchdog here for the company and different proposals come out on all levels of government. And you know we can't even, we can't overlook the local government as well. And we have a local government affairs team that does one heck of a job with local ordinances and other issues that come up. But we, as of late, and I've seen it in the last few years, it seems that our industry, the attacks on our industry, are growing and growing and growing. And that is one thing that um, it, it's hard to beat back. I mean, we're, there's a very vocal, I would say, minority that specifically comes after our industry. And don't get me wrong, some people will say that all environmental groups are bad. Uh, that's not true. We work very closely with some environmental advocacy groups who understand that you know, in order for all of us to succeed, we have to work together and look at this as all of the above. And quick example, you mentioned uh, Marcel Shale Coalition. In the past several years, as you guys know, when it comes to stakeholders, we brought in and brought to the table um, organized labor, which is something that I think is big progress for the industry. I mean, years and years ago, I think there was always uh, one of the things was I called the license plate problem. You go to a drill site and you're not seeing Pennsylvania or West Virginia license plates. You're seeing plates from somewhere else. And it, it put the industry in a bad light. And now it, it's almost like every people are learning the industry, first of all. Um, as you know, Ken Broadbent out in Western PA, they have an excellent training facility. And they oh, yeah. I mean, it's second to none. Um, and it's partnering with, with labor that I think helps us first qualified workforce. And people are being taken care of. They're making good money. They do a good job. And they're focused on safety, which is something that we're very focused on at EQT. Uh, but second, it goes back to my position as government affairs in the halls of the Capitol or the halls of Congress. When you walk in from a natural gas company by yourself. Right. Right. It's not always as valuable than if I were to walk in there with the UA or, you know, another union group. Um, I, I think you see different perspectives. And let me so, jump in there for a second, uh, John, because there's so much that you touched on. By the way, uh, Joe Krause and I got, you know, involved in this. You know, obviously, we've been doing a labor show in, in the Philadelphia region for a long time. And they had the issue at PES refinery. OK. Yep. And a lot of our labor leaders came to us and said, we have to do shows on this. We've been doing a labor show here in Philly for nine years. And we typically get a lot of cooperation from our political leaders. I mean, it's a, you know, Philadelphia is a. A, a, a small, big market. Obviously, we know it was crickets. And one one unit down, thirty out of thirty three, they shut the refinery down. We had workers in, uh, union officials. It was heartbreaking because they were losing their livelihoods, and some of them been there for decades, and it didn't make sense. So that's obviously when we got involved, and as we got and, and as we launched the labor and energy initiative, we realized. You know, like Joe and I, and look, I'm a labor guy and regular, I think a regular guy, you know, from the neighborhood. Um, we had the same perspectives when it came to um, energy and emissions and shacking, uh, fracking and all those things had really, you know, uh, you know, we were just uneducated. OK, so I guess you would call it. We always say kitchen table environmentalists, right? Not educated, didn't understand. One of the things and the reasons was because the narrative, um, you don't hear anything else. So when you start to hear uh, the common sense part about, you know, one of the things uh, we talk about a lot is 
they, you know, people talk about the transition to renewables, and renewables are obviously coming into the markets. But some of the most uh, passionate people about the environment are our, our energy leaders, okay, that run the companies um, and, and run the organizations. Okay, so we were educated like there was no tomorrow and educating the general public to, to, to the fact that uh, we cannot just shut the switch and then, you know, you go to all renewables tomorrow and there's 10,000 reasons why and none of us are here in any of them. So that's the point of, you know, why we're here one of the things I wanted to say, in, uh, bring up, you're unique. You have a very unique background, okay, in regards to your labor and energy um, background, okay? Yeah. And, and I wanted to bring that up because EQT, um, biggest producer of natural gas in the country, um, you're clearly a, um, you know, a, a, uh, a high-profile individual in the energy sector, but you have a family lineage that has to do a, a lot with labor. And I think, you know, lends itself a lot to a great perspective when you talk about your great workforce. Talk about that and, and with the United Mine Workers and, and, and uh, a little bit about that history. Yep, 100%. So I grew up in uh, the anthracite coal region in Schuylkill County, which is the sort of north, northeast part of the state. Um, and like every other... Irish family, most of our, our relatives, you can trace back to Ireland, and they came here to get a job in the coal mines because, frankly, they were they were starving back at home. Um, By the way, my family's from Mahanoy City. So is mine. My grandmother's Mahanoy We're probably related, John. <laughs> well, so, uh, listen, since we're throwing it out there, I'm from Schuylkill County as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, little town, Minersville, John. So uh, the three of us attacking it all from that, uh, from that part. Yeah. <laughs> I was just in Wyoming. I ran into a woman. She's from Mount Carmel. Another guy was from uh, yeah. from Oregsburg in Schuylkill County. So I guess everybody came here to work in the mines. Absolutely. Um, but I, I would say the labor history in my family would date all the way back to and I have to be careful about statute of limitations here, guys. But the uh, Molly Maguires, which was really, I mean, the, the the start of the real organized labor movement. Absolutely. I mean, the, the conditions that they were working in were so terrible. Um, some folks didn't even get paid. They got script and had to go to the company store. They didn't even get wages. Um, so it, it was very difficult time. And I think it, it all dovetail, dovetails very nicely with, you know, where we are today compared to them. Safety, again, core value at EQT. The reason these individuals were fighting for their lives was because of lack of safety. And people were getting killed. And it, and it wasn't once in a while. It was every day. Um, in the meantime, they're fueling the Industrial Revolution. So that's a problem. That's not fair. Uh, my great grandfather went on to be a United Mine Worker and then ended up an organizer for the UNWA. And I still have the Western Union. It's in my office hanging up. It's a letter from John L. Lewis to my grandfather uh, expressing his sympathy and thanking him for all the hard work of his father. So that in and of itself, I think, it is a unique, again, backstory. Uh, kid from the coal region. I knew nothing about gas when I came out of there. And now, you know, here we are today. Does it give you a... a uh, especially having that heritage, because, um, you know, having conversations with my father, who was a labor leader here in Philly for 40 years, um, you know, gave me a, a an understanding of workers' rights and understanding, you know, the benefits of unions. And and obviously, like you said, safety, high, you know, high skilled. You mentioned, uh, you know, uh, what you, uh, Broadbent, uh, Kenny Broadbent and uh, their training facility. Um, and we just had Kenny on with uh, Jimmy Snell and Rob Bear. That was our first show, uh, you know, when we expanded to the um, video platform and 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 the Marce or, or the Pittsburgh uh, KDKA station. Um, but um, does does your background give you a, a, a you know kind of a, a a knowledge and a an understanding of uh, you know your workers uh, in in regard and, and, and a perspective that may be different than uh, and other executives. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it most likely it does. Uh, if people 
didn't grow up in an area where labor, organized labor was so important. They may not understanding understand it as well. But again, it goes back to the same way we're talking about energy. It's layman terms is how th things have to be Absolutely. explained. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it, it cuts both ways. Some people have a negative view of organized labor until you explain it to them. And until you showcase the excellent work that organized labor does in a safe manner. And again, I'm going to keep saying safety so, uh, because that's, a, that's one of our core values. Absolutely. I could, go to, I could go to a well site tomorrow as the director of government affairs. If I saw something going on that was not safe, I could stop work completely right then and there. Every, every employee at EQT knows that they have that ability. And so having said that, let's talk a little bit about EQT, uh, John. Um, if, talk about the jobs that, that, that the company provides, okay? You know, roundabouts numbers on, you know, like in other words, the, the, the magnitude of the workforce and the type of jobs that individuals get in, 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 in relation to good paying, family sustaining jobs. Yeah, I, I would say our industry uh, provides some of the best compensation of any other industry um, in the country. So, so here at EQT, we have, I think we're up to around 700 employees. Uh, obviously, there's quite a few who are in an office, but then we have our outside service providers, which their number, I believe, is in the thousands. And we've met with Ken Broadbent and some folks in Western PA, and there are union service providers. Um, and I say Western PA because that's most of our core acreage. We do go all up into the Northeast as well and Central um, after a few acquisitions. But these are all great paying jobs, uh, even union or non-union. We compensate employees very well. We're very focused on technology and doing things uh, better and better every day. And technology is not just in the office. We have a digital work environment in the office, but on a well site. I'd love to bring you guys out for a tour just to see the operations. It really is amazing. And we're getting more and more efficient every day. Uh, I mean, we just drilled an 18,000 foot lateral uh, out in Western PA. And just that number is amazing when you put it into perspective. That is a long lateral. Absolutely. Jump John, ba John Bain is our special guest here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadok and Krause as we uh, continue to uh, deliver uh, the Labor and Energy Show. Just, John, one quick uh, one quick kind of follow up on um, one thing that you referenced uh, when you were having some talk with um, in reference to the unions and to labor. Um, I think there's a misunderstanding from the public in terms of uh in in terms of what the v real value is to uh the natural resources to gas and and i think part of why we do this show is to try and punch holes in that in that misunderstanding do you feel that from ground level as well yeah i think there is a, a misunderstanding um as you said and you heard me mention service providers these aren't direct EQT employees, but they very well may be uh, in a union. Right. When you look at our, I would say the largest, the lion's share of our uh, relationship with organized labor, and maybe we can talk about this after the break, but is um, on pipelines. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the number of jobs working on pipelines, that, that's, that's the bread and butter of, of organized labor in Pennsylvania. That's and, John Bain's opinion. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you, so we've had Dave Callahan on many times. We just had him on with Rob Bear last week. And um, we're also proud of that partnership, okay, of, of utilizing and, and uh, you know, bringing, bringing the communities together, uh, utilizing not only our leadership uh, in labor, but also um, our man and woman power on the ground, okay? Um, our political, um, you know, relationships and connections, um, and we feel the same way, having that uh, that relationship. And you talk about the workforce, the subcontractors, if you will. Um, you know, certainly, this industry, we have a lot on the line also. Okay, there, we have a lot to lose. There's so much to lose when it comes to not people not being educated and understand. And in a sense, we feel like we're talking to our, you know, to, to individuals, uh, you know, our family, our friends, a lot of people. 
um, that are in our community that, that, that just don't understand like we didn't understand. Um, I don't know what we, you know, when we talk about Joe Krause, how much time do we have to the break? Uh, one, one minute and 45 seconds, J-Duck. Why don't we do this? Because uh, we're going to talk about natural gas and a number of other topics. We're going to talk about permitting and, and permitting reform and a number of other things. So why don't we head to the break early and then we'll hit those, those topics and more when we come back. Well, it scares me when you start producing the show, J-Doc. This, uh, is, this is the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. As J-Doc said, we will take a, a, a commercial break. We'll pick it up with John Bain on the other side. What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Today's program is pre-recorded. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And welcome back, everyone, to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Thank you very much for tuning in, listening, or watching, viewing uh, uh, this week's edition of the Labor and Energy Show. Great conversation and a great guest, John Bain, joining us, uh, J. Doc, for the full show. Again, a reminder for uh, our listeners and viewers, if you miss any of today's program or perhaps you want to go back and listen into one of our previous shows, uh, just go to Apple or Spotify, search the Labor and Energy Show, and you can easily download uh, the podcast um, and you can listen to it uh, while you walk. J-Doc, over to you, sir. So let's spitfire a little bit, John. Um, you know, I want to talk, we're going to go, we're going to talk about something called the Page Coalition. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about natural gas, okay, and, and educating the public. Let's, let's talk about it and its benefits uh, for energy generation in PA, uh, in the U.S., and globally. Okay, what, what should people know? Well, I, I think they should know, and this dovetails into the page conversation, that uh, it, if we produce more natural gas globally, if we produce more natural gas and are able to export that overseas, uh, it's the largest green initiative on the planet, bar none. The construction of new coal-fired power plants overseas is totally taking away all the progress we've made over the past 15 years in reducing emissions. Um, it, it's it's incredible. Incredible. And we're going to get into that 100 yep. um, percent. That, that is, is one of those points that we want to obviously, you know, no pun intended, but drill down and, 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 and you know, and, 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 have, and educate people on that. We're going to we're going to get talk about, obviously, the progress that's been made, the efficiency, the improvements in regards to, uh, you know, fracking and, and, and the environment. Um, certainly, like John, like uh, Dave Callahan said, when the process started years ago, yes, there needed to be improvements, but there have been a lot of improvements made, and 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 also talk about it when you when you mention not only uh, you know the environmental efficiency, but also in safety measures. Yeah, I I think if you look back to you know around 2005, the early 2000s, when the unconventional uh, drilling started in a big way at a large scale, uh, and I'll just you know just quick 30,000 foot, people were still looking for basically the secret sauce and how do, how, do we, how do we get this natural gas out of the ground and how do we do it efficiently? And it took years to kind of get to where we are today. This goes back to what I mentioned earlier. We are, we are drilling uh, longer laterals, so it's a less 
uh, we're disturbing less earth in that process. And we, we figured out that there's things that we can improve and we are improving. Uh, I could tell you that EQT, we figured that uh, we figured out that one of the biggest sources of our emissions were called pneumatic devices. We spent $28 million to replace all of our pneumatic devices and it reduced our emissions in a big, big way. And a lot of other operators are looking at, looking at that and they're doing it the same way. When it comes to uh, the environment, we've seen legislation passed in Pennsylvania, Act 13, uh, I think it was 2012, and it changed some of, some, of, some of the ways we operate as far as unconventional operations are concerned. And it, it, it came down to regulating us you know, at the wellhead, at, on site, and you know, changes such as that make a big difference. And we have to go through very, very stringent uh, permit application processes and, and you know, to make sure we're doing things right. And the DEP in all three states, they check in on us. They're not shy. And, uh, and we're fine with that. Our goal, again, is safety and doing things right. And it's interesting because Dave Callahan said, listen, uh, like you said, you, you know, it, you know, it, when the, the process started, there had to be changes made, rightfully so. And there's been a major commitment um, to that, to those changes, like you're mentioning, uh, and 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 it's led to um, really we're the leader in 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 the in a global sense of reducing emissions, and it's largely due to natural gas. What are we sitting on, in, uh, you know, in regards to the Marcellus Shell? Um, in, in regards to the amount of natural gas. Talk about the magnitude there. Uh, the magnitude is is enormous. Uh, EQT alone, again, I said we'd be number 12 if we were a country. That's just us. When you combine the entire Appalachian Basin, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, we're the largest in the country when it comes to the amount of natural gas and natural gas reserves that we have. And we can get into this on the, again, the page conversation, but we're ready to power the world. I mean, we, we have a massive amount of gas, but we have a massive problem. We can't move that natural gas because we cannot construct new pipelines. And we, people are even canceling uh, power plants now. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's bad for the country. It's bad for the world. And we saw that. I mean, a billion-dollar power plant. Just, uh, you know, environmentalists, uh, you know, appealed it and appealed it and appealed it and, until the entire community wanted it. Um, yep. and, and 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 took and, and the mayor actually talked about the devastation uh, in in the there's uh, a Pennsylvania community uh, where we lost that power plant. Um, John, what John? What do you make of it? I mean. You know, I sit and I hear, I hear that statement, and then I hear a big statement from you. We're ready to power the world, you know, and yet here we sit, you know, trying to understand why the narrative is working against us. I don't get it. I just can't figure it out. What's your thought on it? Yeah, I think it, it comes down to, a, well, a lot of funding to attack our industry from outside sources, which is, is no surprise. Um, a lot of it, I think, is scare tactics. Uh, people are very concerned about the environment, as, as they should be. I think we're all environmentalists Sure. at the end of the day. Um, but it, it is the, sort of that politics of fear. And, and I say this frequently, and I think we're moving away from this, but for years, I feel like the industry was apologizing for itself. And I don't think we should be doing that anymore. I think we need to really tout the benefits that we that the environment has because of our industry and what we can do on a global scale. Because if we want to talk about global warming, let's talk about global warming. That's right. Absolutely. And now we're going to get into the page coalition conversation. I want to read something. I'm going to read it as fast as possible. But your CEO, Toby Rice, um, wrote this op-ed, okay? And this is something that is actually mind-boggling, but it, it, it encompasses everything we're talking about. Over the last 15 years, the U.S. has led the world in reducing greenhouse gas emissions, thanks in large part 
<clears throat> to our replacing coal with natural gas. From 2005 to 2019, the reductions from this fuel switching roughly equal the total emission reductions of the UK, Germany, Italy, and Japan combined. And those were the countries with the best track records for lowering emissions. Unfortunately, foreign coal usage exploded in 2021. And we talked about, and he mentioned from 2005 to 2019, the reductions. And in just one year, the increase in emissions surpassed all the emission reductions made by the U.S. solar and wind and energy since 2000. In 2022, the situation has been exacerbated by skyrocketing energy prices and Russians' war against Ukraine. Okay, a solution exists. It exists in Pennsylvania, and it's natural gas. This is a press release about the Page Coalition. Take it from there, John. Well, you just took all my talking points, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. It's staggering, though. When you read that, I mean, it says so much. Yeah, it, and it's it's common sense. And when you look at foreign coal, it's 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 dirtier than the coal that we burn in the United States. Um, it's full of things called linite, which is just dirty, dirty coal that I. I don't I don't quote me on this. I don't know if we'd even be allowed to burn that in the United States, but other other countries are doing that. But our environmental standards in the United States are so much more stringent than overseas that yeah. we're willing to shut ourselves down. Okay, import those same resources. You know, we all know that, you know, uh, emissions and the environment just doesn't cover the United States. So, you know, when you mention global, you know, people, you know, got to, you know, that's what we're talking about. Yep. And the thing is, we're ready to deploy today. Um, if we can put LNG on the water, we can enter, we can reduce those international emission problems that we have. And we can do it. We're ready to deploy today. We need the infrastructure in place first, obviously. We would love to have something in the southeastern part of uh, Pennsylvania, one of the surrounding states, that could put that LNG on the water. But what we would have to do is quadruple uh, U.S. LNG capacity to 55 BCF a day by 2030 to replace international coal. And that goes back to, like, we can do this. And Toby Rice is 100% spot on in the information that, that he put in that op-ed. Uh, but this would reduce international CO2 emissions by 1.1 billion tons by 2030. And all we'd have to do is have 50 rigs, build 6,500 miles of pipelines, Export capacity of LNG will be over 40 BCF a day. Uh, that is huge. And when you look at that, it goes back to one, the emissions problem. That's what we're, we're looking to solve. But two, when you look at energy and how the correlation between energy, lack of energy and poverty, that's a big problem. And the facts show that if you can provide someone energy, you can bring them out of poverty. And that's part of this story as well but again we have to be able to deploy and if we can't if we have pipelines that are just choked because we can't move any more gas we won't be able to do this and that is the story john yeah i mean that is the, that is the story we have the ability to be self-sufficient we have the ability to economically um, enjoy the benefit of what it means to be self-sufficient and our communities and our, our families and our kids and our care and everything that's wrapped around 360 degrees of that statement are in a better position if we would just say, if we would just accept it. And, and Joe, yeah. to share it with the world, okay? And John, I wanna you know, really quickly break this down. In fact, that to the first off, the people understand that, the most, that most of our progress regarding the reduction of emissions, which we, America is has been the leader, okay, um, is due to natural gas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 60% reduction in emissions in the United States due to natural gas over the since 2005. Okay, but my point is, does America understand that, okay? The, yeah. The, the, you know, that's, that's so important that the public understands, okay, the progress we've made, okay, number one. The efficiency, the safety, the environmental 
uh, you know, it's it's in a sense queen energy, okay? Uh, and, and, and compared to the rest of the world, while we're shutting ourselves down, we're giving them the green light to utilize their coal resources to, 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 to eat up all the progress we've made. Talk about, um, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering how many people actually understand that foreign coal was negated the significant U.S. emissions reductions. I mean, that's not something we hear. I mean, when you read that in, in Toby Rice's op-ed, I mean, it's such an eye-opener, yep. okay? It's a game-changer. Uh, people don't understand that. I, you know, I can imagine, you know, the, you know, and the majority of us, by the way, the kitchen table environmentalists, not the real far-lefters who you could say you could actually take them to the water and they won't drink it, um, do not understand that. And, 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 and talk about what, you know, and I'm going to ask you this question. I wanted to make those points. But talk about what your company sees as the potential for natural gas to lower the emissions globally. Um, and you can, by the way, get into the numbers if you want. Yeah, I mean, we have the opportunity, as I said, to reduce international CO2 emissions by 1.1 billion tons by 2030. Um, but again, like I said, we, we can't deploy uh, if if we can't get a, a pipeline in the ground or build a new LNG facility you know, in the in the United States, uh, when it goes to as you said, does the general public or the kitchen table environmentalists understand the benefits of this industry? I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, where instead of apologizing for ourselves, we have to do a better job of telling our story, and that's that's why the Page Coalition is in place. That, that's where we're telling that story, and we're just getting started. But right now, we're bringing in LNG to Boston from overseas because we can't get a pipeline through New York. Well, it's Toby Rice's mom has oil heat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I want to spit fire because we only have five minutes left, but it's it's staggering. Let's talk a, a, a little bit about, you know, the sort of Pace Coalition talks a lot about the need for permitting reform, Okay. Mm -hmm. So Congress took what, you know, what I understand to be the first step in the debt ceiling bill. But obviously, uh, you know, recent, you know, guests on the pro on our program want a lot more done. What's your opinion uh, of the benefits of the permit reforms in the debt ceiling bill? And what else do you think needs to be done on permitting reform? Yeah, I, I do think there were benefits, obviously, in that legislation. But there there is more to be done. There's a lot of duplicative processes within the federal government that can be streamlined. Uh, a permit shouldn't have to go through three different agencies for three different reviews of essentially the same permit application. And I'll go to your kitchen table again. This A permit is thousands and thousands of pages. It's not John Bain just filling out a form uh, to put a roof on my house in South Philly, right? It's We're talking thousands and thousands of pages. And one of the biggest things that we've seen in the debt ceiling bill was it said that completing the Mountain Valley Pipeline is in the national in, national interest. Congress is directing completion of that pipeline. And right now, it's back in the courts. In the, yeah. They had to appeal to the Supreme Court. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a shame. And that's a project that was $3 billion in the beginning. Guess how much they're at now? Guess how much money they've spent on that project? How much? Six. Six billion dollars, and it's because of activists. Period. You know who's going to invest in in in, in that type of energy infrastructure, um, and, and 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 if this is possible, I mean, you're talking obviously reduce. You know, if we can get the you know the, the permitting reform, um, you know where it should be. I mean, there's, I believe there's a four point five year environmental process to just get started when you talk about pipelines. Okay. Yep. Uh, you know, getting rid of the red tape. Obviously, we need to go through a process. Um, let's, you know, and I think we're going to, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of it. But I just want to talk. I think the political leaders have to cut through the red tape, Jim. Well, yeah, I no, mean, no, no, no. Four and a half. I mean, four and a half years. I mean, somebody needs to stand up. Well, the president and, and, and do it. Well, right. Well, the ceiling bill did is was supposed to do that, and clearly, uh, you know. There needs to be more progress in that because there's still gridlock and environmentalists are still being you know, able to, to shut these things down with appeals. 
before we roll out, I want to just touch real quick about liquefied natural gas in Pennsylvania. So we have a lot of conversations on the show about the potential for Pennsylvania LNG. You, you touched on it, uh, especially in the in the Philly region. You touched on that. Um, John, what do you think the prospects are for Philly to become uh, an LNG export powerhouse? And what needs to be done to make it happen? If we if we did not have activists fighting a project uh, and issues with permitting, we could start tomorrow. Yeah. But again, it goes back to telling our story. Organized labor is doing a great job. I know Jimmy Snell wants something in the southeast. Yeah. He's so sick and tired of all the jobs in the West. Yeah. But it comes down to, to just activists. And there was a plant scheduled, uh, an LNG facility in Wyalusing, Pennsylvania, that was canceled. They're just not, they wouldn't do it. So it, it comes down to us explaining it. There's going to have to be political will to do it. And, you know, outside of the president using the Defense Production Act, I don't understand. It's going to be very very difficult. Well, talk about, uh, you know, if we did have that, because it's centrally located, if we did have, and Jimmy Snell, we've talked about it a hundred times, okay? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and on air too, by the way, but talk about the benefits, not only locally, but, you know, we saw what, what, what's going on in, in the Ukraine with Russia, cutting them off. What could we do to help national security um, if, if we had these resources here, uh, in, in the Philly region. Yeah, we have the ability, I I would say, to de-weaponize energy in the world. We have the ability, as the United States of America, we have the resources to prevent other countries from using energy as a weapon. And I would say, period, end of statement. Uh, that's what we, that's the resource that we have right now to provide energy security, both here at home, and across the world, and security, I would say, is the operative word in that sense. John, um, we really appreciate your time. I mean, this we got so much. We're leaving a lot on the table. We'll save it for the next time. Um, but we really appreciate your time. Obviously, mm -hmm. John Bain, Director of Government Affairs for EQT. Awesome segment, my friend. Yeah, I, I guys, I really appreciate what you're doing and getting the word out there on our industry and organized labor. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job. So. Keep up the good work. Congratulations on expanding. And uh, feel free to reach out if you, if you have any questions or need anything from me. Good stuff, John Bain, joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show. As Jimmy Snell often says, the Green Mafia. We've got to beat the Green Mafia. Back in a moment. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard to Day. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Can you afford a brand new electric car or a charging station for your home? Want to spend your days waiting in line at a public charging station? Well, buckle up. Delaware and New Jersey are planning to ban the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Most drivers can't afford it, don't need it, and don't want it. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadok and Krause, just a couple of minutes remain in this hour. Again, don't forget to download today's edition of the show on Apple or Spotify. Just search 
the Labor and Energy Show. Good conversation, J Doc, with uh, John Bain. A lot there. Hard to cover a lot of hard to cover some of the ground. But boy, every show that I listen to, I just don't understand the reality of why we can, or not we, but why the public. Um, doesn't see the real value supported by the facts uh, versus that um, other narrative. Frustrating for me. That's interesting. You mentioned you, you left the, the segment with, um, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, defeating the green mafia. Okay. Like Jimmy uh, Snell says, I mean, you're dealing with a, a, a very um, fanatical group of people that don't want to hear about the uh, energy, edu- uh, true energy education and, and, and knowledge of what it, it, you know, it takes to, to, to obviously energize a, a region uh, and, a, and a country, um, the realities of it. And at the same time, obviously, you know, we're shutting, like John Bain said, we're shutting down our own resources and bringing those same resources in from other countries that are doing it a lot, you know, less clean, dirtier, Admit, you know, uh, the the um, the Page Coalition and Toby Rice mentions obviously all the progress we've made since 2005 was negated in one year. Okay, from overseas coal production. Okay, uh, and and the people just obviously aren't either getting that information or don't care. And it's our job to make sure people understand. Yes, there's a transition. We're mo- you know we're uh, renewables are coming into the market. No one's fighting that. We all care about the environment, Joe. But we need to understand about our energy infrastructure, how impactful it is, our traditional energy in- infrastructure, how it works incredibly well as we bring in um, renewables into the market, and how important it is to our country and the world. So, I mean, poverty, like J- uh, John Bain said, uh, energy poverty across the globe, okay? Our energy infrastructure, Marcella Shell, we're sitting on such an incredibly resourceful situation, okay? And it's cleaner. It's cleaner for the environment. It's safer. Um, and we just got to get the word out, man. Great way to wrap up today's edition of the Labor and Energy Show with Doc and Krause. Again, special thanks to John Bain for joining us for the uh, full show today. That's going to do it for this edition of uh, the Labor and Energy Show. On behalf of my partner, Doc, on behalf of Kateri, who's producing Behind the Glass, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.